0: So i'd like to get back to your story with your dad what was that like was he accepting you did he acknowledge you how old were you then when you met him so
1: i was in my early mid-20s so what my dad was like first of all he was very ashamed he was like staring down at the floor the entire time right would not look into my eyes and the very first question was why did you look for me And i'm like this is very odd you know i was expecting maybe some crying and wanted to hug me and say where have you been and how are you and tell me about yourself you know but that's very american right we don't understand that there's a different dynamics here and how people think and react right we just assume everybody's going to be like us i mean that's just the way that americans are a lot right And so, you know, they're more about, you know, Confucian standards and way of thought. So it's about, you know, saving face and being embarrassed. And he was very embarrassed about that situation.
2: Did you feel like he rejected you in a way or? or
1: He did. Uh, I I would say he did because he refused to tell me who my mother was, right? And so he took that with him to his grave. And that really upset me. And I really wish that he would have given me that information so I can pursue and find out who my mother was. So I did go later on in KBS on TV and stuff like that to search for my uh, biological mother too.
2: Do you hate your your father for doing that, or do you actually I would, I would have say, a more of a grudge, maybe, or, or no. not grudge, or maybe just like I don't know if you could say compassion or just understand, or because he kind of pretty much denied you a that's your like right. heritage and that's right. I'm sure you had to mull that over yeah most of your life. Yeah, with I who mean, am I and
1: I I was a little bit angry initially, I I, I can't lie about that. But the thing is, is that, you know, having your own kids and being able to meet my half-brother and sister, Mm. because I have two. So he got married a third time and had two more children, so he had a total of eight children. And I was able to meet my half-brother and sister
2: so meeting that connection maybe can kind of gave you some wholeness it a little did bit it, of a it connection did. yep
1: so so are they
0: still alive to this day and do you communicate so with them so
1: i don't really uh, they speak korean i don't really speak korean so it's kind of hard to do that but i do talk to my aunt uh, every once in a while and unfortunately my youngest brother da- passed away in 2011 so of a heart attack
0: oh that's really young now. yeah I mean, very young you.
1: yeah so but the cool part was I did go to like my niece's doll or her 100th birthday when after she was born. I did go to my sister's wedding and things like that. Oh. And so
2: So you do have some good connections. Yeah, I it
1: guess. was it was wonderful. I mean, just Did
2: your life kind of change after that? Like you don't seem like a guy that kind of mulls over like who am I? You feel like you just focus on the present and, and kind of the future. You don't really seem like kind of guy you have any of those uh, complicated feelings that some adoptees have
1: i think we all have those feelings especially when you're all alone yep. and you're all by yourself right mm-hmm. those things always creep up mm-hmm. right just like ptsd may creep up after a war and so on so the thing is is that what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. so for me that's what drove me to again I want other Korean adoptees to experience what I felt. Mm-hmm. I want Korean adoptees to go out there and I want to make sure that they are well taken care of, uh, especially those that don't have a voice. I want to make sure that we go out there and we do these right things and provide some you know, good outcomes and justice and a place for us to share. Our stories and to be able to uh, help each other, right? Was it
2: the story that kind of inspired your 325 camera organization or that happened much later? Or?
1: So for 325 camera, I got to give that credit actually to Catherine Kim. Okay. So she and I started talking I said, wow, this sounds very interesting. I got a proposal for you. Let me do some DNA testing. So I explained some things to her it was 25% of the 200,000 current adoptees mm. 25 percent or so reside in Europe. There's about 50,000 wow. Korean adoptees in Europe. So mm-hmm. about half of them are in France, and about 40 percent reside in Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. And then the next biggest group, I think, there's around six, seven thousand within Germany. And then there's smidgens everywhere. So there's like a couple hundred over in Italy. There's like 60 in in England, and so on. So they're they're just spotted everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's actually very active group within Netherlands. So I proposed to her, hey, let me help you. I have a business background, Mm -hmm. I understand business. Let me be part of this thing and I'll pay for it myself, which I did and really help you kind of change your brand, your image, get recognized and things like that. So I wrote the business plan, uh, help establish the things in Europe Mm -hmm. And then later on, I work with Catherine Kim and the rest of the group in establishing the group in South Korea mm. and stuff like that. So, so, what was
0: the purpose of 325 Camera? What was essentially its needs? And-
1: so, first, I have to thank Thomas Park Clement. He amazing, amazing Korean uh, adoptee in Hapa. He's the one who funded a lot of our work. Amazing individual. The main purpose is is to help unite our korean brothers and sisters with their biological family by doing that dna testing showing that link that yep this is your mom this is your dad this is your sister what's the
0: difference between 23 and Me now is there
1: so 23 and Me is a private company whereas three to camera does dna testing for the cad community it's free for the most part it's considered a non-profit company. it's a non-profit organization thanks to again uh, thomas park clement He's paid for those DNA kits and, and we distribute those to adoptees. So there are some small fees that we had to incur because, for instance, we've got to run a website. we got to ship the DNA kits back and forth between Europe and to the States and South Korea and to the States. We do, you know, hunting for our right. biological families and things like that. So there is a lot of expenses that aren't covered. That And that's why we had those fees and built those fees into the system. Do you know how many DNA tests have actually been done
0: through, through 25 cameras? The
1: last or? time I checked, it was close to 6,000. Wow. So don't quote me on what it is today. I know, you know, the new president is very active and she's just doing a remarkable job. And I think they're, they're trying their best to expand and grow and do this, right? And so kudos to her and her team. They're doing a remarkable job. So a lot of the the initial group that worked on this have long since left. My main reason was of leaving three two five camera wasn't That um, was
2: recent, correct? Like maybe a couple yeah. of years ago, maybe a year Yeah,
1: about ago. a year and a okay. half ago. The main reason was I was moving from Europe back to the States. Okay. So my time in Europe was done. I wanted to give people a fair chance to you know, grow this organization and do other things. And I was asked by other organizations to be involved with them. So I didn't want to divvy up my time and do many things, you know, poorly. So therefore I stepped down as a board of directors, you know, the head of European operations and things like that. So I stepped down as that and took on other types of work. So are you involved in any other uh, adoptee organizations then
2: maybe you can explain a little bit i know you said icav yeah and, and so maybe once previously if you were sure kind of curious
1: so yeah currently i'm uh, working with icav which is Intercountry country uh, adoptee voices yep. and that's for all intercountry adoptees so they don't care if you're ethiopian or you know mm. from wherever, wherever right so again Linnell Long, who lives and works in Australia, oh, okay. started that. I didn't know she's an Australian adoptee. Yeah, That's interesting. And she's also did a lot of work in passing legislation over in Australia that for those adoptees that were not covered, to get citizenship. Mm. She learned and worked with that group that got that legislation passed in Australia. So kudos to her and her team. So Um, Australia
2: has like a full-on citizenship for the Australian adoptees, you're saying? Yes, but before
1: it wasn't present. So that's who I speak to to learn from them and Mm -hmm. how do they do the things that they've done, how do they pass the legislation and all those things. So... What makes
2: it different from Australia? Why does Australia give it to uh, the people and then help? what's what, wrong with the United States? I know what, you're probably really familiar with what's going on there.
1: Sure, so I think uh, the problem is is that we're too uh, fractured as uh, as NGOs. We don't really work in concert with each other and help each other the United and States yeah, is? the US okay. doesn't do that. For instance, you know, th- there are great people out there working very hard to pass Adoptee Citizenship Act, such as uh, ARC. Mm-hmm. So Joy Alessi is working there yep, with I that. Yep. So a good friend of mine. And there are others. I know A4J is out there and several others, right? The problem is is that none of them kind of work together to ensure that we pass other legislation. Stand is one voice. To go out there and we do, you know, hey, how about you take the you know, maybe a northern portion of the United States, I'll take the southern or whatever, right? And divvy up that workload. Because currently, it seemed like we're close, but we're really far away. So what I mean by that, there's 100 members of House and Senate that says, yes, we're gonna back this and support this, 100. That's a lot of folks, I give them credit for that. But there's 435 individuals who sit that are in Congress. There's 100 senators out there. So that's 535. In order to pass half that, right? You need minimum, or like 267, I think, uh, votes in order to pass this thing. So we're still quite far away from the number that we need to achieve. Is this a
2: Republican versus Democrat thing, or does Part it Part of it matter? is that, yes. Oh, so there is. Could there, you explain it is. kind of the why the Republicans sure. or maybe the Democrats are for or against the adoption, what's going on there?
1: So I think the Republicans are very anti-crime, right? And so... The problem is that sometimes we have some adoptees out there talking about our issues and placing people on the pedestal and in the limelight with criminal backgrounds. And I think that's, you know, if you look at how legislation has passed through uh, civil rights and other issues and gay rights and other issues, right? Uh, People were very selective on the individuals that they brought forth Mm -hmm. to members of Congress and things like that. And so I think we need to head towards that same goal and direction. And so I'm working behind the scenes with KAGC, which is a Korean American grassroots uh, coalition. Wonderful organizations about uh, civic service and duty for Korean Americans and represent all Korean Americans within the United States. Mm A uh, great friend of mine, uh, Once ago, I work with him and trying to, again, help pass this legislation for adoptee. Can you explain
2: back. kind of like the ins and outs? I'm not really familiar. How does that work? Or like, what are your tasks to kind of ensure the bill passes? Is it more about like, I don't think it's making videos, but I'm pretty sure it's like something that you guys got to write on paper. Is it, or, is or, it mostly
0: because Congress yeah. is not aware that there's an Adoptee Citizen Act or? Yeah. Or is it something? It's on the website, so I
2: know
0: there's a bill for it.
1: Again, you know, it's like all issues that's out there, right? First of all is how you talk about it and how you make it important, right? And so the problem is, is that a lot of members of Congress don't understand how extensive, for instance, adoption is right it impacts nearly what at least one-third depends on who you read right
2: most people in general don't know the impact
1: one-third of all americans right Mm -hmm. because you know it doesn't affect just adoptees that adopted parents and the brothers and sisters and that family dynamic right and so it really impacts a lot of us and that's what we need to present and say Hey, look it impacts a very large number of your constituents and we need to pass this thing because it's the right things to do because it protects families at the end of the day, it is. Because that adoptee is a member of that family and let's continue to protect that family unit.
2: I was kind of curious, so we kind of did a video about that where we didn't want to go too negative but some adoptee people that you actually work with, did you work with Adam Crasford you say or? No, I'm okay.
1: no. I mean, I spoke to him on Facebook and things like that, and I've spoken to other deported adoptees directly. Yeah,
2: the one that committed suicide. I think that you said so, they worked with them a little bit, or
1: no? Yeah, I've uh, met some of those individuals. Is um, it bad
2: to kind of say, "Hey, adoptees are killing themselves"? Is that the wrong way to put it? Or yeah, I, I don't think that's is it scaring people away. That well, I don't
1: think thing? it's scaring people away per se, and I don't think that's the right message to tell. Okay. Okay. Because for instance, you know, just adoption itself is a very complex subject mm-hmm. and I've written on it numerous times and right, wrong, or otherwise, I've tried my best to tell the truth and to look at the full spectrum mm-hmm. of how ad- adoption impacts, right? So I know a lot of people think of me as anti-adoption mm-hmm. and it is true. I'm anti-international or inter-country adoption and its true i am anti international or intercountry country adoption I am pro-adoption within that country that you're from. And I was
2: wondering what makes that better, being adopted within a country. Could you explain a little
0: bit well, about that and why? Well, is, yeah. it, is it related to cultural integration or disintegration? If so you're not losing right. your culture, is that part it's
1: of it? It's way more than just your culture, right? First of all, when you assist another country to take their issue for them, mm. it does not shape that country in their behavior and their actions to, to do the right thing for its own citizens, gotcha. right? That's number one. Number two, the other issue is is that intercountry country adoption has been corrupt. There's no denying that. There's so many articles written about this
2: Could you explain a little bit about that i know that's like they use it for profit and business well it's more of
1: yeah so it's illegal practices by many individuals Mm -hmm. so for instance there's people who give out finders fees for bringing me a baby so there's literally cases of children being stolen and then sold off through adoption right the other so to me that's those are just illegal practices that we shouldn't have another thing is is that again that child is taken away from their culture their language their food their everything right and to me that just adds to some of that the problems right and so we already know that there's very poor outcomes with adoption you know uh, four times higher in suicide some places uh, depending on who you read because there's some works done from i believe norway and other countries higher counts of incarceration and things mm-hmm. like that. So,
2: so you actually do believe that there's, it's quite common with adoptees, like kind of like in the crime, having mental health issues. You think that oh yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's a correlation there? There is a correlation the there. Okay. Yeah.
1: But we, again, we don't know what parts of that is due to adoption and what parts of that is due to maybe, you know,
2: where they grew up with. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, again, you know, so recently I just wrote an article for ICAF about korea's work on changing their legislation mm. with taking the adoption agencies out of the the footprint there and the state now is controlling the adoptions and everything else right all the work there instead of pushing it to a secondary source such as an adoption agency i think it's a step towards the good because the countries has the means to do it themselves mm-hmm. i mean for goodness sakes i mean south Korea's one of the top 10 wealthiest countries on earth. So they have the money. Mm -hmm. And that's
2: an interesting perspective. I never thought about that. It kind of when you adopt kids out, it kind of doesn't give them responsibility. So if you keep it in, that's right. I'm just curious, curious, about like not
0: trying to play the devil's advocate, but wouldn't you agree that Korea is also less willing to adopt
1: internally? Yes, that's correct. That's, again, due to... And there's a high suicide rate there, too, correct? Oh, yeah. Well, amongst the youth, yeah, due to their just rigorous training and education system Mm -hmm. and the way that they're doing things like that. So, Korea is relatively a very young democracy. They're the systems that we've established early on compared to them. They're still learning the ropes and developing Mm. those things. So. I think Korea is heading towards the right step mm-hmm. by taking ownership of their issue. It is a lot I'm harder to that.
2: adopt. I, I heard it that. is. It is. So things
0: are changing. It seems like. Korea. What is? Yeah. Do you know the? I know it's like a traditional cultural thing. But what do you think is the reason why it's so important to have your own lineage versus adopt a person in there in Korea and. You don't want to adopt what is the reason behind that do you know
1: so i've actually worked in many orphanages throughout my career through all over the world i mean i work with hiv orphans over in kenya several of them i've worked in orphanages in vietnam in south america in panama and you name it all over the world and i've logged you know well over a thousand hours maybe fifteen sixteen hundred hours in all these different types of orphanages you go to any kid in any of these countries and say hey i will give you a new life but you got to give up your language your food and your culture the kids would rather suffer knowing that they're going to be poor and hungry and stay within that country for the most part now once again you force that child out and they forget about who they were and what their country was and everything else, right? A lot of us believe that, yeah, our life is so much better because of the adoption, right? But when you take that child, when they are right before you take them out, they will scream, fight, cry. They do not want to leave their country, right? I watch videos of all these interactions where a family's going into China or somewhere and they're grabbing their new kid, right? That child is in fear, he's screaming and crying. They don't wanna be with that new white couple, right? That Caucasian couple, right? So that's adding trauma to that child's life, right? So I think people don't really address the full spectrum. And as you know, primal wound and other things, there is so much more to that individual and things that happen to you before you become an adult and you make all those other life decisions and choices There's things that happen to you psychologically physically chemically to that individual so there's a lot of studies that point out to that some of the things in primal wound are really true so i'll give you an example this is in northern canada They had a major ice storm and it knocked out all the electricity in very large regions for like nine to 12 months for a very long time. And so they were tracking the women who were having babies during that time. And because the mother was under so much stress, the children had high instances of like, you know, childhood diabetes and, you know, behavioral development problems and other things. And so this notion, a lot of people just scoff at it and take it as, you know, this is hocus pocus, this ain't real, this ain't true. I think they're misspeaking because they don't understand. And of course we're still learning the science behind this, but those stress hormones and other things that are occurring during that time really does have a play in the development of that child.
2: I was kind of curious, so speaking about this. What is that fault at all these adoption Was it the culture? Or was it the history? Or is it and the individual like that not safe like sex? Or The thing is,
0: if Americans are so willing to adopt, why can't Korea adopt their own kind? I don't understand what's the problem.
1: Why is it so it's So it, hard? It's a, it's a, it goes back to the Confucian way of thought. What is the Confucian way of so, thought, anyway? So they have this very, very strong belief that your blood matters. Oh, I see.
0: So that's the whole reason there you why. go
1: that's why you can't take another child so people actually go to great lengths in order to adopt sometimes they'll fake a woman being pregnant and then they'll adopt when the you know it's only an infant and then they introduce it as though she just had the baby see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so is that changing at all no no it's not so that, i thought a
0: lot of more christian and or is that kind of different
1: uh, yeah it's a yeah, it's it, so it, Korea is
2: it, still kind of stuck in their ways. You're, you're they kind are of saying they are
1: they are do you think it's
2: BS and someone should speak out against it or what what are some solutions? Yeah, I to think so. Culture or something? So,
1: so let's look at what's what Korea wants, what's happening in Korea, and what Korea probably should do. Okay, mm-hmm. so what I mean by that is let's look at the cases of you know. Uh, Divorce is also rising in South Korea. And so mothers now are raising children on their own. Mm -hmm. Even though there's a court order out, fathers still are not paying child support. So to me, Korea needs to fix that. Another thing is that Korea is looking at things systematically and saying, we're going to institutionalize these children. We're going to have these adoption orphanages and things like that. And they'll pay like, you know, They'll pay 10 times more to run an orphanage rather than giving that money to the mother so that mother can raise that child and have a productive life. So 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 unlike in
0: in the United States, Korea doesn't have a very good support system to support single, disabled, and elderly. That's that's probably the
2: reason why. They have a strong uh, discrimination against that kind of thing. They do have
1: a very strong discrimination against single mothers still. Mm And I think that's a hurdle that Korea needs to learn how to jump over. Just like Korea, as you know, is not supporting, you know, gay rights and things like that, mm-hmm. right?
0: So how do you forge someone that's so traditional? What do you do to it's, get an impact so they start well, change? And
1: I think it's a generational gap. I think the youth is much more accepting.
2: So it's changing. It is changing, bit. but okay, okay, it's very slowly, yeah, right? Very slow.
1: So. Let me give you some other areas in which Korea is changing. So, first of all, as you know, Korea has one of the lowest or the lowest birth rate of any country in the world. Wow. Last time I checked, it was like 0.82. And that's not forced by any rules or no, regulations in like no. China. Oh. Yeah. So, 0.82. So that means in one generation, they're gonna have half as many people, less than half, right? So, the problem with that is, is that it's going to reshape Korea and it's going to make them change their behaviors and outlooks and all that stuff right for the better
0: or for the worse
1: hopefully for the better so i'll give you an example on how Korea was reshaped rather quickly on the way of thought and things like that so i think it was in 80s and 90s where for a while for a short period of time Korea was doing targeted abortions and so if they know, at that time, Koreans wanted a male child to be the first, right, born. So there was like large uh, classrooms where, you know, two thirds or three fourths of the class was like boys for a while, right? So guess what that led to in the future? Well, that led to certain year groups of uh, men having not enough women to be able to marry from. So then Korea had to look externally for that. So. Lots of Korean men started marrying oh. women from China and Vietnam and Philippines, Philippines and other areas, right? And so by taking on that foreign bride, that did reshape Korea a little bit to accept more cultures and things like that. Okay. Yep. Right. So I think that was kind of forced onto them. Now, I still think, you know, there is issues of racism within Korea because. Did they hate adoptees? Did you struggle the with that? Well, they treat you when or, you were there in your 20s. That's what I heard.
0: Yeah. Were they warm and welcoming to you or would they also treat you as an outsider they're second class citizen that someone yeah it's pretty
1: us. much a second class citizen koreans would never say that to your face but it's it's true It it is true there's a lot of adoptees that do feel welcome going to korea and
2: but i think it's just because of vacation you're kind of like there you up. go
1: it is a vacation i've lived there i lived there for eight and a half years if you live there what you experience and see is totally different than just visiting there right and so i think that does change the lens for many individuals right so you do have a large number of adoptees that have been to korea only for a short period of time Mm -hmm. they're like no 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 koreans were so welcome and they were helpful they loved me you know and i felt so welcome there but i've lived there for eight and a half years and koreans are very racist
2: or heard that they love white people like yeah like they have that but whatever you
0: called the western influence yeah the no West, they, they the do
1: they do like one. that i saw that and they do like that more so than than other asians right well let me speak further on this is that number one is that there's videos out there that shows for instance like malaysian and filipinos and others that work there within korea because there's a lot of foreign workers there now in korea are mistreated by the koreans right And so I don't find that to be surprising because I felt the same kind of, the same things when I was there. So I'll give you an example. When I was in command, so which is a big deal in the military, I was in charge of, at that time, several hundred soldiers, about 450, 500 soldiers. And I was a commander for this HHC company and I was in charge. We went to a kimchi factory to visit it. I set that up as part of my EO program to introduce the American soldiers mm. to the Korean culture and stuff like that. So we had a whole group that moved there, and one of the lowest ranking soldier, they were interviewing him, and the person who was in charge of the kimchi factory would speak to him as though he was in charge. Even though I tried to tell him, hey, I'm the commander, mm. I set this up, you know, I'm in charge. Wait, he was white, correct?
2: Yeah, he was white. Okay.
1: So they kept on going to this very low ranking individual and going to him, which again, had I been white and then found out that, you know, I'm the commander as a white person, I don't think they would have ever done that. Same thing happened again. When there was some work that I did with the education elementary students. Mm -hmm. So we had a program where soldiers taught English language to the elementary students on the weekends. So, I was in charge of that. I set that up. I had dozens of volunteers. And again, the individual, the principal, wanted to give the certificate of appreciation to a soldier that, you know, only. Lower rank. Yeah, very, lower rank, but they rarely came. So, oh. you know. So,
2: I was kind of. I know we can't compare uh, apples
1: to oranges, but I was
2: told by another Korean adoptee that the Asian people are kind of like the silent generation versus the black people. So, do you feel like. We're like kind of one and the same is do the black people suffer worse than Asian people, or you really can't compare that? Or what's your opinion on that?
1: Suffering is suffering. Mm-hmm. And depending on the in- individual, right? You know, there, there's been adoptees that were killed. I mean, mm-hmm. is that better or worse than a black person being killed? Mm-hmm. I, I think we shouldn't look at in that limelight, right? Mm-hmm. We should look at in, Hey, look, it's just wrong we need to be united regardless and fight against it Mm -hmm. and do the right thing you know to ensure that doesn't happen again so yeah i look at it a little bit Mm -hmm. differently maybe
0: is there anything you want to add i guess the thing the last thing i want to talk about because you did mention you had issues with suicide and the main focus to some of our videos to talk about mental health and be more open about it sure can you give any advice to our viewers that might be struggling right now with mental health issues on what they could be doing right now to alleviate their depression, or what they should be doing, and maybe some of the challenge you went through and how you overcame, how them. you overcame, maybe some advice. Sure. Yours.
1: One thing is to try to build yourself a good support network. You know, there could be other Cads. Hopefully, you can find Cads near your community to be able to speak to. Because I, you know, when I talk about racism, and you've experienced the same thing. I don't think I have to say much and you kind of understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? And so that connectedness, that ability to understand, that ability to listen, that ability to share the same stories helps you through that issue. Like for instance, like you know, like rape victims, other women that has survived rape has that ability to speak on that topic, right? Mm-hmm. And so we I think having a strong or adoptee community helps you along those aspects, right? Another thing is, is that having to be able to have access to mental health professionals. There's medications that can help you. It doesn't have to be permanent, it may be temporary. So there's nothing wrong in taking those medications if you need that. Another piece of that is finding ways to cope with stress. And again, there's healthy ways of coping and there's negative ways of coping. If it's alcohol, if it's other things that harms you or destroys you as an individual, not so good. Exercise, it could be, again, speaking to other individuals, whatever. There are positive ways of coping with with those issues. And then lastly, you know, there's holistic medicine and other things such as quercetin and other types of holistic compounds that have proven to help individuals. Again, I'm not a physician, but seek out your physician to see if maybe those things can assist you. There is a lot of things, but at the end of the day, reality is is that even if you did everything right, you still may not be able to reach that individual. And how
0: did you? How did you personally develop resilience towards all the problems versus barriers. your sisters? Your sister
2: better now, or she's still struggling with those? She's
1: still struggling, and um, she's got to be like. F- f-
2: like around your age yeah correct? yeah
1: she's a couple of years younger oh. so
2: it's just amazing seeing like one individual versus the other they're still like different some people yeah. just have personal are, are, experiences i mean you're like like the poster boy of like like being able to like overcome everything and then yeah. there's just people that just are unfortunately just yeah. cycle and it's addiction just, it's interesting and i mean i'm just wondering yeah. if there's i know you say that sometimes you can't help everyone but it, it's just like those are
0: unhealthy addictions how do you prevent yourself from not doing that or you chose or maybe not it was to. the military that kept you clean or?
1: no my sister also joined the military too oh and she wow. spent 17 years in the military but oh. she didn't go anywhere and she was kicked out of the military after 17 years so. so for instance i did several things i think helped me one was i was able to get closure which a lot of Korean adoptees that's when you closure, met your, right? your family correct yeah Another thing is, is that you know I have a great support network. I have cads that I lean to if I need to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. In fact, I meet with a group of guys r- routinely, okay. and every month we have scotch and cigars in my garage and some steaks or whatever, and a wonderful group of guys, you know, and we talk about our personal lives, issues, and things like that. And so that's an outlet for me, mm-hmm. right? And then the other things are is that, you know, I do try to take care of myself and try to be a healthy individual. So, you know, I'm not obese. I do work out. I do do the right things to ensure that, you know, I have a somewhat of a healthy lifestyle. So I think all those things as a, you know, as a whole keeps me on track to be a better individual. It doesn't mean that I don't have the same issues. I mean, Alone, away, on my own. I do have those thoughts every once in a while. Did you struggle
2: with relationship issues or were you like married and just stayed married or? No, uh,
1: no, I didn't really have re- relationship issues per se.
2: Okay. That's interesting coming from an adoptee. Wow. Well. it's rare.
1: I would say, okay. So initially I had huge anxiety and huge stress and huge problems when we broke up a relationship. Right. When I was dating. Was like me. Yep. Right. I mean. I was going out of my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was crazy there for a while. I didn't know how to cope with that. Mm-hmm. And I felt as though, you know, my heart was just ripped out of my chest mm-hmm. and I was going to die. And, and I didn't know that I was having panic attacks. I didn't know that I was having anxiety. I didn't know those things. I just felt horrible and I didn't know why, right? And so, yeah, I, I did go through those things, but...
0: How'd you cope? Uh, you learn to adapt and yeah persevere. Well,
1: well you know for me it was okay there's there's trust issues there right how do I trust the next individual and so on but you know what reading those books growing up I wanted to have a great relationship I wanted to have to experience having children and, and getting to be part of their lives I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to meet other people and so on so I made an effort to make sure that I did those things throughout my life.
0: So, how long have you been married? Right so now?
1: we've been married close to twenty years. Oh, nice. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Two. I got a. You, my have s-
0: you ever been to Korea? Have you ever yeah. asked them to go or? So. They're two daughters, correct? No, no, no. I got oh, a
1: son and daughter. Oh, my son, son, daughter. son is okay. in West Point right now. And then my daughter is 16 years old, and I made an effort to take them back to Korea a lot. Mm-hmm. So they've actually did study during the, the summertime broad. in Korea. So they've done that multiple times. Of course, they were born there and was raised is there your in their wife Korean years. too? Or yeah, she's Korean. Oh, she is. Korean yeah, Korean? Okay. Korean Korean. Yeah, Korean Korean. Yeah, which is—it's a right so how, hard, how fluent, very How hard. fluent are you in Korean? Oh. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so you haven't learned? No, I haven't really? learned any Korean. No, oh. I mean a couple words, you know.
2: You seem like a, such a smart guy. I thought you yeah. like read
1: a whole books on them, like, but I guess not. <laughs> no, well, you know, I mean, I tell people I'm just your average mm-hmm. guy. So I'm. Well, you're amazing. <laughs> well, That just <laughs> shows. Let's be honest. Yeah. That
0: just shows, guys. You can be an average guy and still persevere yeah. and live a good, fulfilling life if you just you know, take positive uh, steps to want to change your life for the better. So, so generally speaking, I think that I'm
2: sure Jamie has a ton of stories. I'm actually kind of interested in like talking a little bit about like his life as a soldier. But I think we're going to cut it. It's already been like a one hour and a half. And I was wondering, is there anything that you want to address that we talked about for adoptees or?
1: You know what? I'm just so thankful for the cat community compared to a lot of adoptee communities out there we are well established in many things we do still do many things right Uh, there's a lot of caring individuals out there that go out of the way again you know i met you guys last night at Mm -hmm. the at that that AK connection Connection. so there's many uh, organization like that throughout the entire united Mm -hmm. states and so even if you meet up with a couple guys within your own community you have the ability to do that so reach out be part of the community I think it's quite helpful it was for me and so I encourage everybody to do be actively engaged with that community and give if, it as much if as
0: people want to reach out to you is there anything you're okay with that or oh Facebook, yeah Facebook, or I'm e- on Facebook I mean
1: okay. I think I'm connected to about
0: you're probably already well
2: connected anyway, yeah, four, so, yeah
1: like 4,000 cats I, I'm uh, sure a lot of people yeah. would
2: love this interview so yeah you have a lot to share so it was actually really a great honor to speak with Jamie and Honestly, we actually talked like I think online. I was actually yeah, thinking okay. about doing an interview online, but then when you actually showed up last, and I was thinking, "Wow, that's, that's, that's it's just it's, this it. amazingly cool that we get to do it in person." So thanks for coming out to Minnesota, and thanks for doing this with us. We really appreciate it. All right, thanks you guys. All right, All right, thanks. Thanks. Hey, thanks
1: for what you're doing. Yeah,